Hey, y'all, and welcome to Pursue Excellence, the podcast. If you are interested in gaining insight on how to expand your horizons while working towards personal growth and pursuing excellence, this is a podcast for you. Thank you for tuning in with me today, and please don't forget to subscribe and leave reviews. Now, let's get started with the episode. to this week's episode of Pursue Excellence. I hope you all are having a great hump day and continuing to stay healthy. And I also hope all the mothers out there had a great Mother's Day. It was Mother's Day this past Sunday. So I hope you all got to enjoy some time with your loved ones, got to visit your mothers if you were able to. My mom does not live in the same state as me, but she was sure to let me know what to send her for Mother's Day. So I hope she enjoyed her gift. But anywho, we can just get right into the episode. So on today's episode, I will actually be playing a sermon from my pastor. And I wanted to play this for you all because after hearing this, I felt like it was a word that a lot more people needed to hear. I just felt rejuvenated, alive, and really ready to go before the Lord and just joyful and hopeful. And so I thought this may bring you all the same feelings that it brought me. So here's a sermon from my pastor, Reverend Terry D. Streeter of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., Praise in the Midst of a Problem. Praise in the midst of a problem. Psalm 22, beginning at verse number 19. Those of you who have your Bibles, amen. So gather closer to the uh, computer or the phone and let's let's study God's word. Be, uh, but be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the uh, unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred abhorred, rather the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard. Stop right there today as we talk about praise in the midst of a problem. Praise in the midst of a problem. Gail Schilling wrote an interesting story in Guideposts about being new on her job as a reporter. She had 45 minutes until press time, and yet she had not heard from her contact. Her contact would not answer his phone. Her editor came by her desk and calmly reminded her that it's 45 minutes to press time. She could hear the presses in the background thundering. Uh, Her contact still had not answered. She called once again, but again she had no answer. She slammed the phone down in frustration. 
Then she felt hands on her shoulder. It was her editor. He pulled up a chair and settled in next to her as though they had nothing to do. He said, let me tell you a story. He told her that when he was her age, he worked in the Air Force in, for a department that tested new aircraft. He said one time an engine caught fire at 30,000 feet. The pilot radioed, help, help, the wing is on fire. I got to put out the fire. Her editor said that he rushed to his commander and snatched the radio and he said, Roger, first land the plane. Then he broke contact. He smiled at her at that point, patted her on the shoulder and said, so when there's not a thing you can do, save your energy. First land the plane. She said that with that advice, she made her phone call and finally contacted her contact person. She calmly wrote her story and everything was on time. What good advice for us as we go through this season of trouble with so much confusion around and mixed messages and panic in the air. It's like the plane is on fire and we can't do anything about it. And so he said, land the plane and then you can take care of it. You know, most states are rushing now to get the economy moving again. In most states, there is some form of reopening going on this week. Most people think that it's too soon. But yet with over 30 million people out of work, the leaders see a need to do something. Unemployment went from uh, under 4% to almost 15% in two months time. In fact, people say that it's worse than in the Great Depression. Many people don't even know that if they will have a job to go back to when everything is set up. The, the coronavirus continues to spread throughout the United States as well as the world. Here in the United States, we have over 1.3 million confirmed cases with nearly 80,000 deaths due to coronavirus. People are afraid to go to the hospital with needed illnesses like heart attacks and strokes. They'd rather suffer at home because they fear more of going to the hospital and getting the coronavirus than they do the heart attack or the stroke that they're having. And while the numbers may look like the curve is bending, if you take New York out of the equation, it's climbing all over the country. At a time when Americans ought to be coming together, there are still reminders that life is not fair for people of color. No, no, black lives can be taken while jogging, minding your business unarmed and people can hunt you down like an animal. Your life can be taken while you're sitting in your own house watching television and somebody said they thought that they were in their place and shoot you dead. Justice, which ought to be colorblind, we found out is not colorblind. No, no, where is the justice for so many? The standards of justice are really different for people of color. Uh, of, think about this. Of the 40 people arrested in New York last week for uh, uh, not observing the social distancing laws and so forth, 35 of the 40 were African American. Four were Latino, only one white person. And yet when we see television, we see them breaking the rules, but we also see a mask being handed out to white folks and not to us. And I didn't come to paint a racial picture today, but just to tell the truth. 
But this is not new to us. No, no. It's the trouble we have faced in this country since we landed on the shores of Virginia. Our Justice Department is really a joke. When a person who pleaded guilty twice has his charges dropped because they say he should never have been questioned, what happened to justice? The plane is on fire. The plane is on fire. Uh, in fact, even now, COVID-19 has gotten into the West Wing. Yes, it has. The plane is on fire. We're at 30,000 feet. The plane is on fire, and we can't do anything about it. Maybe Gil Scott Heron was more prophetic than we gave him credit for back in the 70s when he wrote and recorded that classic Winter in America. You remember what he said? From the Indians who welcomed the pilgrims to the buffalo who once ruled the plains, like the vultures circling beneath the dark clouds, looking for the rain, looking for the rain, just like the city staggered on the coastline, living in a nation that just can't stand much more, like the forest buried beneath the highway, never had a chance to grow, never had a chance to grow, and now it's winter winter in America. Yes, and all of the healers have been killed or sent away, but the people know, the people know it's winter in America. And ain't nobody fighting because nobody knows what to say. Save your soul, Lord knows, from winter in America. The Constitution, a noble piece of paper with free society, struggled, but it died in vain. And now democracy is ragtime on the corner looking for some rain. Looks like it's hoping, hoping for some rain. And I see the robins perched in barren treetops watching last this racists marching across the floor but just like the peace sign that vanished in our dreams never had a chance to grow never had a chance to grow and now it's winter it's winter in america and all the healers have been killed or betrayed yay but the people know people know it's winter lord knows it's winter in america and ain't nobody fighting because nobody knows what to say save your souls from winter in America. Maybe, maybe uh, Gil Scott Heron was more prophetic than we gave him credit for. The church, which has been the staple in our community, is closed now. Churches all across the land, the houses of worship are closed. But yet, as the opening is happening, golf courses and beaches and stores and nail and hair salons and all, they are opening, but not the houses of worship. People of faith look to their houses of worship as the plane is on fire. They, they find peace in the house of worship. But I've come to tell you today, we might be shut out but not cut off. Our worship continues, although we're not in our houses of worship. Our praise of our God can be heard from the lips of those who are struggling in the midst of a problem. David waved at me this week. David waved at me and said, look at me. David said, I, I identify with what you're going through. I said, David, what are you talking about? It? And David said, my problem is not the same as yours, but trouble is trouble. Problems are problems. And so I sat down and wondered, what can we learn from David? In this great Messianic Psalm, we already know that David is struggling with a problem and there is seemingly no answer from God. 
The psalm starts with the words that Jesus cried from the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? David prays, but God seems silent. This is not like the God that David knows. David knows that God is a holy God who inhabits the praises of his people, but there's silence from God. The fathers trusted God and got results, but that's not what's happening with David. David doesn't even feel good about himself. He sees himself as a worm. People laugh at him. People mock his faith. But for David, he has his own history with God. He trusted God from his youth. He looks to God for help, but because there's no other help to be found. People around David are acting like animals. We talked about it last week. David uses the analogy of bulls and lions and dogs. David is weak and struggling. His suffering is a picture of the suffering that Jesus had on the cross. You do remember Jesus, don't you? You remember how people mocked him and stared at him and shook their heads and taunted him to come down from the cross and save himself. They said that he could not do it. And now all of this, they gambled for Jesus' garments. All of this is this scene in the in the in the psalm is the the scene with Jesus is depicted here in this psalm. What a what an ugly scene it is. That's what David is going through. David has his problems. Yes, with the plane on fire. What did David do? He landed the plane. How did he land this streeter? He landed it through prayer. In other words, he approached God prayerfully. David said in verses 19 through 21 in the NIV, it says, But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lion. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I declare to you today, yes, there's trouble all around. There's injustice all around. There are problems all around. There's sickness all around. There's death all around. But keep on praying. Yes, the plane is on fire. Yes, it's winter in America. And yes, sometimes you feel like throwing up both your hands. It makes you want to holler, throw up both your hands. I understand that. There's nothing that we can do about some things but land the plane. Pray. Pray until uh, heaven moves. Pray until wickedness is revealed. Pray until justice is seen. Pray until the sword is put down. Pray until the dogs are quiet. Pray until the lion's roar is heard. Pray until the bull is no longer threatening. Pray! In the words of that great hymn of the church, you can go before God and say, I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to you. You remember that song, don't you? Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus, if you please, daily walking close to thee. Let it be, Lord, let it be. So I looked at David, and although God had not answered David, in this psalm, there's a shift now. There's a shift. David moves from prayer to praise. The trouble still existed, but he praises God anyhow. So my question is, how do we shift 
from prayer to praise. In the midst of our problem, how do we have a shift in our own life where we're not sitting around having a pity party and feeling sorry for ourselves? How do we do it? We understand prayer in trouble. Even unbelievers will pray in trouble. But how does praise and problems go together? David shows us three things in this text that I believe will sustain us in these tough times. Can I share them with you? With a few amens, I know it won't take me long. I can't hear your amens, but I can feel them through the air. Well, yeah, here, 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 here are the three things that David shows us we can do. Number one, acknowledge God publicly. In verse 22, David said, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. The NIV says, I will declare your name to my people. David says, I'm going to make a public declaration or acknowledgement of God. He sees God in the midst of his problem. And although God has not answered the way David wanted, he realizes that God is still in charge. He said, I'm going to declare your name. I know that my, my prayer hasn't been answered yet. I know the trouble is still brewing. But I'm going to acknowledge you. Most of us understand Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into your own understanding. Uh, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. We need to see God's hand in every aspect of life. We need to acknowledge God in our gains and our losses. We need to acknowledge God in our ups and our downs. We, we need to acknowledge God in our good days and our bad days. We need to see God's hand when life is smooth and when life is difficult. David said, I will declare your name. We ought to acknowledge God publicly. Well, what do you mean to acknowledge him? To acknowledge God means that we recognize that God has an ordaining hand in all of human affairs. That God can overrule our best decisions. That God can allow it to rain on our parade. That God can give us favor and yet move us to the head of the line. But God can also let the bottom fall out and sustain us at the back of the line. Acknowledging God means that I seek God's approval in all my decisions. Remember, they stared at David. They mocked David and all. But David said, I'm going to declare his name. <laughs> yeah. To the people. With, with things going badly, he still sees God. That He said, I'm not going to go around with a victim's mentality. I'm not going to go around feeling sorry for myself. I'm not going to go around having a pity party. I will lift up the name of the Lord. And in the words of Sandy Patty, she said, there's strength. In the name of the Lord. There's power in the name of the Lord. There's hope in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. David said, I will acknowledge God publicly. I'm going to lift up his name to the brethren. Do you still feel that way? Even though you may have lost your job, can you still lift up the name of the Lord? Can, can, I know some people say religion is a private thing and all, but no, can you say it publicly and not be ashamed to name the name of the Lord? 
That's what we're talking. Yeah, the plane is on fire, but you can still call on the name of the Lord. David said, I will declare your name publicly. In other words, he would declare his name to the people. So number one, you want to acknowledge God publicly. Yeah, don't be a closet. Don't have a closet religion. Acknowledge God publicly. Call his name out. But here's the second thing. Not only do you want to acknowledge God publicly, you want to praise God personally. He says in that same verse, in verse 22, in the second part of it, it said, In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Notice that this is personal and public. <laughs> the NIV says, In the assembly I will praise you. Now, I hear you thinking, you're right. Right now, we are praising God privately. We can't get to the assembly. In our homes, we are praising God. In your bedroom, in your kitchen, or in your dining room, wherever you are watching this, we praise God privately. The church buildings are closed to public gatherings, but it does not stop our private praise. But David says he's going to praise God also publicly, that he will personally praise God. God in the midst of the congregation. Now, a lot of folks talk about praising God, but they're intimidated about doing it publicly. They're, they're intimidated about that. However, if you acknowledge God publicly, then you ought not be afraid to praise God personally. One reason why we ought to praise God is because the Lord is what we need in a time like this. Oh yeah, I, I realize there are perceived needs that were good but not fulfilling. Think about some of the things that we needed but, but it did not fulfill. We have voting rights and yet many of us still won't vote. We have civil rights uh, and yet racism continues. We have had an economy that was doing great, that people bragged about being the greatest in history and yet people were still poor. We got great weapons of warfare and war continues. We had all what we thought we needed and stuff wasn't personal, well, was not perfect. So we praise God because we found out that what we needed was a savior, a savior. Oh, do you know there are people today living with life and death hanging over them? They, they don't need more a stimulus check. They need a savior. There are people who are between the biopsy and the lab report. They need a, a savior. There are people living between alcohol and crack that need a savior. There are people who are facing economic ruin or emotional shipwreck. In fact, there are people predicting that 75,000 more Americans will die a death of despair where they just can't take it and anymore. Where they, they'll commit suicide or they'll go to alcohol and drugs that will kill them. They need a savior. We need a savior. The plane is on fire. But you and I who know the Lord, <laughs> oh yeah, we're not ashamed to praise him. Even though we don't have yet what we may be praying for, we praise him for what we believe the Lord is going to do. We praise him because the Bible instructs us to do so. You know the 150th Psalm. You've heard it. 
Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and heart. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that had breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Do you that you miss that? Let everything that had breath, children, old people. I can't speak for you, but I made up my mind that I will praise the Lord personally. I don't mind saying my hallelujah belongs to you. My hallelujah belongs to you. You deserve it. Some people get praise that don't deserve it, but my hallelujah belongs to you. You deserve it. And I'm not ashamed to praise you personally. Mama may love God. Daddy may love God. But what about you? Are you willing to praise him personally? And so if you really, if you really want to make it through these, these problem times, acknowledge God publicly. Praise God personally. But here's the third and last thing is worship God corporately. Yeah, verse 23 says, ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. The NIV puts it this way. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all ye descendants of Israel. Now catch this, that David had declared his own intentions of, of, of acknowledging God publicly and praising God personally. Oh yeah, but now notice here, he issues a call to others to join him in worship. He said, those who fear the Lord should praise him. The seed of Jacob ought to glorify him and all of Israel should revere him. Isn't this like the spirit of Psalm 34? That familiar psalm that so many people quote that says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. But catch that third verse. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That yes, I'm going to do it personally, but we ought to do it corporately. Let all of us, and I believe that our community will get better when we start worshiping God corporately. That all of us, because God was always the center of our community. And something happened to us as we drifted away from God. God didn't move, we moved. Yes, there are problems all around. I acknowledge that. But we should not turn our backs on God. Those of us who are called by God's name ought to worship God corporately. And I know we can't come together right now, but wherever we are, we can be worshiping. And, and our worship will be tied together because our God sees everything. But preacher, why worship God? When the problem is still happening. Why worship him when the plane is on fire? 
Why worship him when there's winter in America? Well, we worship him because of verse 24. <laughs> it says, for he hath not despised, nor have heard, abhorred rather, the affliction of the afflicted. Neither had he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard. Maybe that, maybe that was too wordy for you. Let me give it to you from the NIV. It says, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Did you catch that? That God has not turned his back on us. God has not despised us. God has not scorned us. But God has not hidden his face from us. Although we may not have what we want, maybe, yes, the problem still persists. Yes, coronavirus is out there. Yes, all of those things. But God has listened to our cry for help. I like to think of it like Mighty Mouse. I know I'm dating myself, but Mighty Mouse was one of my favorite cartoons. Mighty Mouse would be sitting up on the moon, and he could hear the cry of the woman who was tied up and put on the railroad tracks. And she said, Mighty Mouse, Mighty Mouse, and Mighty Mouse would say, Here I come to save the day. And that's what we're looking for today. Our God who sits high and looks low, he's able to come to our rescue. He's not turned his back on us, but he's heard the cry. Old saints used to say, I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied every groan. Long as I live and troubles rise, I'll hasten to his throne. Well, as I go to my seat this morning, despite how big the problem may be, we have a much bigger God. It's not about how big the giants are that we face. It's how big the God is within us. The Lord has spared us. Do you know despite the, this pandemic, you're still here. Yes, we all have known the people who've gone on, but we're still here. The Lord has spared us. Maybe you lost loved ones, but you're still here. Maybe you lost your job, but you're still here. No, you can't go and sit in the sanctuary and, and be comforted by just being in God's house. But yet you got to declare that the Lord has kept you. So from the midst of my problem comes my testimony. I will acknowledge God and I will acknowledge God publicly. I will praise God personally and I will worship God corporately. So I say don't give up. It's not time for giving up. I, I, Charles Goodyear was repeatedly put in prison for the debts that he had. And while he was trying to develop his inventions, he literally perfected one while he was in jail. After years of patient, uh, patient toil, he discovered the process of vulcanizing rubber. He, but yet he could not convince anybody outside of his family about how important and what the value of his invention was. It was two years before he could get enough money to perfect his, his invention. However, the thing about it is that he didn't give up. And whenever you see the Goodyear blimp, it ought to remind you of one that didn't give up. Well, I'm not Charles Goodyear, but whenever you see me stand, you ought to know that here's one that did not give up. And when I see you, I know that there's one that did 
not give up. Keep on going and let your praise be heard from the depths of your pain. And in the words of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, let the world know that I lost some good friends along life's way. Some loved ones departed in heaven to stay. But thank God I didn't lose everything. I lost faith in people who said they cared. In the times of my crisis, they were never there. But in my disappointment, in my season of pain, one thing never wavered, one thing never changed. I never lost my hope. I never lost my joy. I never lost my faith. But most of all, I never lost my praise. I may have lost my job. I may have lost my health, but I never lost my praise. So I can throw my head back and say, hallelujah, anyhow. my praise and I tell you don't lose your praise keep on praising God keep on praising God acknowledge God publicly praise God personally and then worship God corporately and you will see God move like you never seen him move before no these are serious times there are people out trying to profit off the misery of folks. I was watching television this morning and there's somebody talking about plant a seed of $119 and you'll get 19 doors open for you. No, no, no. This is a time for us to trust God. That is a wrap for today, you all. You can contact me by... Email write.taylor24 at gmail.com. That is W R I G H T period T A Y L E R 24 at gmail.com and or my Instagram at Taylor Alexis W. That is at T A Y L E R A L E X I S W. Talk to y'all again next week. Peace, love, and blessings.